All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. And I hope you're ready for some news and commentary today. This is Tony Beam, Director of Church and Community Engagement for the Tim Brazier Campus of North Greenville University, where Christ makes the difference. I also serve as Director of Public Policy, and I am the Director of the Office of Public Policy for the South Carolina Baptist Convention, and I'm currently serving right now as Interim Pastor at Five Forks Baptist Church over in Simpsonville, where you're welcome to join us every Sunday morning. Had uh, some folks join the church this past Sunday morning, which was exciting. So uh, search committee's in place, and they're going to be praying and looking for a pastor. And in the meantime, I'll be there preaching and ministering and doing what I can. So if you'd like to join us, I think that'd be great. All right, I want to start out with uh, sort of a preview, like we normally do, um, of what's coming up this week in the South Carolina legislature. We spoke with Josh Kimbrell, Senator Kimbrell, on Friday, and uh, he kind of gave us an um, update on what happened this last week. So um, as far as the what you would say the moral issues, and of course one of the things that we're very concerned about here and I'm concerned about as I represent the South Carolina Baptist Convention is the life issue, which in South Carolina right now we're at 20 weeks. You can get an abortion at 20 weeks, which makes us a very liberal state. We're talking about well into the second trimester uh, when you can have and abortion. Babies have been known to live outside the womb at around 24 weeks uh, to 23 to 24 weeks. So uh, this is it's a it's a pretty drastic situation that we find ourselves in. So what's likely to happen this week? Uh, tomorrow, the Judiciary Committee, the full committee in the House, is going to consider H. 3449, which is called the Human Protect Life Protection Act. Uh, it was authored by Representative John McCravey, who's the leader of the Family Caucus. He's from Greenwood. And, uh, of course, there are many co-sponsors on that bill. It came out of the subcommittee after limited testimony and will be considered by the full Judiciary Committee tomorrow. Now, there might be some attempts to take off some of the amendments. Uh, you've actually got a very conservative House that is not uh, exactly thrilled about the fact that this particular bill has an exception for fatal fetal anomaly. And for those of you who don't know what that is, I mean, it just basically means that if a baby has an anomaly um, in utero that would prevent it from living outside the womb, and that's been verified by two doctors, then a woman could have an abortion because the baby would not survive and she would have to go through childbirth and then the baby wouldn't live. So um, that that's the the Senate basically has that as a sticking point. They wanted that in the bill last time. It wasn't. And then that's part of the reason that uh, a very small part, if, if you ask me, as to why the Senate decided uh, that it couldn't go along with the House version of the bill. So that's in the House version. Now, it's got to survive the um, Judiciary Committee where a vote could be held to take that out, plus the other exceptions. I mean, the, the this bill has a lot of exceptions, and the idea is they put the exceptions on early to try to get the bill, th uh, you know, intact over to the Senate as soon as possible so that it could be considered and hopefully passed by the Senate. And, you know, these exceptions include rape and incest, life of the mother, and then, as I said, fatal fetal anomaly. So 
if the House Judiciary Committee, and, and it's expected to vote this bill out to the floor of the House in some form, um, when it makes it to the floor, then there's a possibility of it being amended. I'm sure the Democrats will put up amendments that would kill it. Um, and Republicans may try to take off some of the amendments that they find to be objectionable. But assuming that the bill passes the House intact, then it would go over to the Senate where it's going to compete with a bill that the Senate is going to consider tomorrow that's been in medical affairs. Um, it's been It was pulled out. It was introduced on February the 1st, sent to medical affairs. It was pulled out of medical affairs, which simply means that a majority of the members on the Medical Affairs Committee agreed to have the bill taken out of committee and straight to the floor because they've you know, usually you would assign it to a subcommittee and you would have hearings, but we've already done that. I mean, we this is a, a six-week heartbeat bill, and it's an, it's another version. It's, it actually contains some language from uh, uh, South Carolina Supreme Court Justice Few uh, in his agreement that it was the heartbeat bill was unconstitutional. He did say some interesting things about well, what if um, this the bill had protected life beginning at conception? So they took some of that language and tried to apply it to the six-week bill so that perhaps it gets back through the state Supreme Court that Justice Few might be inclined to vote for it if, it, if it's reviewed again. So the Senate is going to try to pass that on Tuesday or Wednesday, and uh, certainly by, by the end of the week, by Thursday, and so we will have a six-week ban on abortion with the fatal fetal anomaly and the other exceptions that are going to be on the House bill. And then you've got a House bill that, that bans abortion beginning at conception. So that means without compromise, if we, if we can't find a compromise between the Senate and the House, we're right back where we were, where we spent all this time across beginning in June all the way up to November and the bill died in a conference committee because the House and the Senate could not agree on what, what was going to happen. So I'm, what I'm urging and what I'm encouraging, look, I want life protected beginning at conception. That, that's what I want. Um, the Senate is not going to go along with that in South Carolina, and it's very unlikely the House is going to go along with anything less than that. But what I want is a compromise. I want something passed. I don't want to sit here until 2025 with babies dying in the womb up to 20 weeks. I, I just think that's unacceptable in a state which is dominated by a Republican Party that has a pro-life plank that basically says that we're going to try to protect life any way we can. And so we need to protect it. They need the, the Speaker of the House, the leader of the Senate. That would be uh, Speaker Merle Smith in the House, Shane Massey, Senator Shane Massey in the Senate. They need to get together, and I believe they have had some conversations. I believe they will have some more, and try to agree, get their caucuses in the House and the Senate to agree on something that will protect life. If we don't, it's gonna we're going to be up to 2025 before— they're, you know, we'll have an election for the Senate in South Carolina in 2024, and it's possible some senators could be replaced and more pro-life senators elected at that time. But between now, this is 2023, between now and 2025, when would be the first opportunity for the Senate with maybe, maybe some new senators that would be more inclined to be pro-life or 
senators that are currently in the Senate that had close races and don't want to run the risk of losing again, they might change their mind and go with life at conception. That, that, that's a possibility in 2025. But we don't know what the makeup of the House will be at that time. I mean, and, and what's going to happen is that we're going to have a lot of abortions performed in South Carolina up to 20 weeks for the next two years. Uh, and, and I just don't think that's acceptable. Why not pass something now? If it has to be the heartbeat bill, pass the heartbeat bill. Let it go back to the state Supreme Court because that's where it would go. It would immediately be enjoined and it would have to go back through the court again. Now I'm going to tell you why that's significant because on Wednesday of this week, you're going to have a joint session of the House and the Senate, and they're going to vote on judges. Now, there'll be several. There'll be judges to the state court of appeals, the, whatever the legislature has the ability to appoint. They're going to do that beginning at noon on Wednesday in a special joint session. The big question is, will Judge Gary Hill be elected to the South Carolina Supreme Court, and is Gary Hill um, an originalist or a textualist or a constructionist, whatever term you want to use, is he someone who's going to read the Constitution in South Carolina for what it says and rule based on its text and its original intent? Uh, if he does and a heartbeat bill goes back through the state Supreme Court, that would overturn the, the ruling that is that um, Justice Kay Hearn wrote the majority opinion. That ruling was terrible on a lot of levels that it could affect a lot of other laws in South Carolina. It needs to be reversed. So if we could get if we can get a heartbeat bill back through the state Supreme Court and get that law uh, declared constitutional, then we can work toward narrowing the abortion law. Let's protect life at six weeks. And then let's come back and see if we can pass a law. Once the Senate changes, the atmosphere in the Senate is different. Let's see if we can pass a law that protects life beginning at conception. But let's not, the, the worst scenario for me is that we sit here for two years with a 20 week abortion ban, the most liberal in the Southeast, and we let that stand for two more years because we can't come together in the House and the Senate and protect life at some point. Not 20 weeks. All right, before we get into the story, let me just tell you, I'm, I'm trying to do this um, at various times um, during the show in the, in the next month and a half or so, or a couple of months, and uh, it, so that everybody, hopefully at some point, would get a, a chance to hear it. I know that a lot of people listen to this show in segments because they're on their way to work or they're doing something out there, listening in the car till they get to work. And um, so the, the important news is Gary Miller, after an um, incredible uh, career here at his radio and his radio talk and career in broadcasting, period, is going to be retiring on March 31st. What that means is that his radio talk, as you know it, 919-897, the programming on those frequencies is going to change. Um, his radio talk will go away. All the talk shows will be gone, including this one, and that they will be replaced with probably some type of music format. We're not sure what that's going to be at the moment, but as soon as we are, we'll begin to tell you about it. But I want to tell you about it um, now to kind of get everybody ready uh, for the fact that there's this is a major change, and, um, and I, I've decided 
that I'm not going to just uh, go away in terms of giving up my part of the of the talk show. I'm going to it's probably going to be a little bit of a different format, but and I'm looking at it. I've, I've had some meetings last week working on beefing up the website uh, to use it for a different purpose that I'll tell you more about later. Um, I'm getting equipment. I'm going to have equipment in my house that will allow me to broadcast over the website, streaming live. I'll be on Facebook. I'm having a YouTube channel built out. I uh, started that process last week. So there's going to be a lot of places that you're going to be able to find me. Uh, and, of course, I'm going to continue the podcast. Now, the podcast is going to change a little bit because um, it's just going to be hard. I, I want to compromise. I want to maintain a daily morning presence. That's what people have gotten used to is being able to listen to the show in the mornings. So I'm going to keep doing it. It's probably going to be, well, I'm not going to announce the time yet, but I'm probably going to cut back to an hour because podcasts uh, typically are about an hour. So I'll be doing sometime between 7 and 9, we'll be doing, I'll be doing the show live where you can listen to it, stream it, watch it on YouTube, Facebook Live, or listen to it on the website. And then later, you can download it. You'll be able to subscribe and download it as a podcast. I'm thinking about changing the name of the show because if, if my primary audience is going to turn into people who download the podcast or listening in the morning, they, the show title needs to say something about what the show is all about. And Christian Worldview with Dr. Tony Beam doesn't really – I mean, there, there are people who will tune in with a podcast thinking, okay, he's going to be talking about creation versus evolution. He's going to be talking about, you know, how do we know God exists? How do we know the resurrection's real? And whereas I, I love talking about those things because I taught those things for a number of years, um, this show has always, been, has always been about the news. It's about the current events, and I comment on them. So – and, and I try to do that from a Christian foundation. So somehow we need a title that kind of communicates that so that people looking at it from a podcast, they go, oh, this is news and politics commented on from a Christian perspective. So we're working on uh, – I'm working on that too. When I say we, I've got people helping me uh, to come up with a different title. So all of that's going to happen March 31st. And beginning in March, I'll start telling you more about – uh, the details of what's going to happen with this program, but you, you can look forward to these frequencies having um, some some type of music that maybe is not offered all the time on uh, eighty nine point three, and so it's going to continue to be good. I and I want look. I want you to understand something. This is not an adversarial thing. I'm I'm not you know um, I'm not mad. I'm not. I knew the day would come when Gary would want to retire. And the likelihood would be that there would be some changes at that point. And so nobody should take that as something, uh, a point of aggravation. Just take it as a norm, the normal process of life. Um, you know, people come, they serve, they, they retire, we, and things change. And when things change, you can decide what you're going to do about it. And what I've decided is I'm going to continue to do the show in some form. And I hope you'll continue to follow it if it's meant a lot to you. All right, let's talk about this balloon a little bit. Um, first of all, we, ne we need to lay some ground rules here. The United States and China are adversaries. Okay, we're, we're in kind of a cold war. In fact, you know, the difference between a cold war and a hot war is when people start shooting at one another. 
And we're probably not that far from being in a hot war with China, likely over Taiwan. Now, I hope that doesn't happen. I mean, I... I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the tensions can be ratcheted down. But you've got military, former military commanders, generals, experts on, on China, all saying that moves that are being made, for example, last week it was we found out that the Biden administration is strengthening our ties with the Philippines and gaining more access for our bases in the Philippines to beef up our presence there because of the threat of China. You know, one of our disadvantages with China and Taiwan is geography. I mean, China's 100 miles. The Chinese mainland is 100 miles from Taiwan. And if they attack, it's going to take us a while to get enough assets in the area to put up a defense. That's why the, the, the Taiwan military is going to have to be able to hold out till the cavalry comes. And even then, you know, is the United States in a position to be able to counter um, a Chinese invasion? Some military leaders say yes, some say no. But back to the back to the balloon. These tensions, you know, we should expect that China's spying on us. We're spying on them. They're using balloons. I guarantee you, the United States military is using balloon technology. Because there are things that balloons can do that satellites cannot do. That's why you would do it. Why would you do it if that's not the case? It doesn't make any sense that you'd be flying balloons at 60,000 feet unless there's some type of tactical advantage to that. Some have suggested that the tactical advantage is that a balloon can linger over a target. I mean, the satellite's looking down and, of course, the rotation of the Earth, the satellite's moving around the Earth. Um, it, it can't the, the the ability for a balloon to linger and to take information over a period of time could be an advantage when it comes to spying and collecting data. So whatever reason there is, and I don't I'm, I'm not going to tell you that I pretend to understand them all, but for whatever reason, the United States, Russia, China, and probably about a dozen other militarily militarily advanced countries have balloons for surveillance. And they use them. So we, we, need, we need to understand that. We shouldn't be all that surprised to discover the Chinese are spying on us. Um, they have Chinese agents posing as college students and college professors. It's no longer debatable, really, whether the Chinese are using TikTok as an information-gathering source. They are. Why in the world we haven't banned TikTok? We haven't just done away with it? Because we know that the Chinese are collecting information if not on military assets, certainly on personal information from people who are using TikTok, which could come in handy should the Cold War advance to a shooting war. Um, the Chinese are buying fairly large swaths of land in the United States, and we, we don't know why for sure, but all of these things should be taken, they, they should be considered hostile, every bit of it. So everything the Chinese government does has a purpose. We need to keep that in mind. The Chinese don't do anything that doesn't have some type of purpose to advance their agenda, which ultimately is to become the world's lone superpower, and certainly domination in East Asia and likely domination of the world if they think they can get that far. So we, we, here, here is we, we don't know why this balloon was floated over the United States. I hope our intelligence agencies, agencies do know.
I mean, don't expect for them to tell you all the details. In fact, anything you know, everybody knows. Anything I know, everybody knows. I don't have top secret clearance. I don't have. I don't get inside information. I talk to sources that I have that um, have clearance, but they can't tell me stuff that is classified uh, without breaking the law, and they won't do that. So, just keep in mind when we think about this that, and we we're having these conversations, as in, well, we want to know everything there is to know about this, all the details. Um, that's not the way it works in spying, because what you know, again, everybody knows. So here's some here's some things though that crosses my mind. Why was this balloon over the United States for so long? You know, last week I it, it, the thing that really bothered me is that we didn't know this thing was up there until somebody on an airplane flying over Montana saw it and said, "What the heck is that?" And then the news media picked it up. Well, it turns out that that's not true. We knew about the balloon when it entered U.S. airspace. In fact, we knew about it when it flew over the Aleutians. Uh, it went over Canada. And we're going to talk about a little bit later why it's significant that it would fly over Canada. That does have something to do with the United States. So in any event, um, we, it, it, it is comforting to me, at least, that our intelligence sources didn't get a telephone call from a guy with a cell phone on an airliner saying, do you guys know the Chinese are floating balloons over Montana? And by the way, I think we're flying right over our Minuteman 3 missile silos. I, it, that, it didn't happen that way. Um, we knew that it was there. Now, the question is, if we knew, then why did we not do something about it? And what are the possibilities, the fact that the Chinese are doing this, what what what? is the motivation, and how did the Chinese not think we would find out about it? We'll dive into some of that after we come back from the break, plus some other questions I think that are going to have to be answered. All right, um, you know, big question. Why? Back, back to your original statement I made earlier. The Chinese don't do anything without a purpose. They, 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 they don't have accidents. The idea that this is... Uh, this balloon was some type of weather balloon or civilian craft that got blown off course. <laughs> yeah, 5,000 miles on co off course. And it just happened to cross over the Aleutians, Alaska, over Canada, and then over our Minuteman Three missile silos in Montana and across the entire United States. I mean, really? Uh, that Obviously, that's not plausible. Um, that's laughable. And the fact that the Chinese government thinks they could get away with a statement like that says a little bit about their lack of respect, I think, for the Biden administration. Because it, it now the Biden administration has said that's that that makes absolutely no sense. It's not possible that this is um, that this craft was flying this long with surveillance equipment and it was some type of accident. So let's just put that out of the picture. But so so then what what is the purpose? What why were they over the United States so long and why was there no observable attempt by the Chinese to conceal it? See, I, it, it this is kind of difficult to to figure because the thing was flying at 60,000 feet. Now even though it's the size of three buses, something at 60,000 feet is going to be difficult to see that's not leaving a com trail. I mean, that, you're you're talking about a dot in the sky. How many people look up and would 
even pay attention. So maybe the Chinese thought they could traverse, that the United States would know what it's doing, but they wouldn't have, the Biden administration wouldn't shoot it down and create an incident, and maybe they thought they could could get away with this. I don't know. Um, Maybe they lost some measure of control and it drifted on its own. Now, that doesn't, I'm not saying it was a weather balloon or ever anything other than a military asset, but maybe it was flying over the Aleutians, it flew over Alaska portion, flew over Canada, but once it got into the United States, there began to be um, somehow the Chinese lost control and it just kept drifting. And that's, that wasn't their intent from the, the beginning. Now, I'm, I doubt seriously that that's what happened. But since we don't know, um, that's a possibility because they had to know we were going to find out. So why would they just let the thing go unless maybe there was a malfunction of some sort that caused them to lose the ability to control the balloon and it and it drifted until it got off the coast of South Carolina and was shot down? All right, I'll give you a couple other things here in a minute. Let's talk to Philip. He wants to comment. Go ahead, Philip. Good morning. Yeah, I heard people say, well, it should be immediately shot down. Well, you can't do that. You don't know if there's uh, any type of collateral damage that would happen or some type of infection that's going to be released or whatever it is. The Chinese are wary birds. What troubles me, though, is what you alluded to earlier, this massive buying up of American land, which ultimately will put our food Uh, in the hands of a sworn enemy, which to me is an astounding thing. Nobody really talks about it other than a very few people. And uh, I tell you, I look at America and I say, you know, we could withstand anything that happens to us from outside. It's like a home, but you can't fight termites. When you have people in your country handing over your country bit by bit, plank by plank to enemies, it's very, very difficult. But anyway, uh, the buying of land is certainly something that more people need to speak of. And hopefully on your new show, you'll be able to talk about topics like that. Thank you. <laughs> well, well I, I certainly I've been able to talk. Uh, thank you, Philip. I've been able to talk about them here. So um, we'll be able to continue to do that. Uh, I appreciate your comments. Look, uh, the, the Chinese government, we, we just need to understand something. We get a lot of stuff from China. We get 93 94% of our semiconductors from Taiwan. I mean, and we get medical supplies from China. We get vaccine uh, ingredients from China, not just on COVID, but but other things. I mean, there the the list of things that we've depended on the Chinese to do for us uh, is staggering once you get into it. The United States is going to have to shift to a more uh, defense posture when it comes to being able to manufacture the things that China is manufacturing, because if the Cold War turns into a hot war or tensions continue to rise, the Chinese could cut off a lot of these things and it would leave us in a, in a very bad way. So we, we've got to retool and, and, and very quickly begin to get our, uh, you know, our manufacturing up to speed with the things that China supplies that are critical for our, the United States. We need to supply for ourselves, semiconductors, of course, being one of the main things. All right. So number two, 
Here's another possible. Why is this thing over the United States so long? They wanted us to see it to distract us from something else that they're currently working on. Now, I, I don't know how you know plausible that is, but I'm just saying the thing is up there. They did. They made no attempt to conceal it unless, again, they thought that at 60,000 feet it wouldn't be noticed. But they had to know that the United States had the ability to track it. So why would you do this unless you wanted to create some type of international media storm that has everybody talking about this when they're working on something over here? Sort of like a magician, you know? Don't let the left hand, the right hand, I'm going to do this over here to get your attention, to distract you, and I'm going to work on something else over here that I don't really want you to pay attention to. The old razzle-dazzle. Well, maybe we can walk and chew gum at the same time. That would be my hope. But, I mean, that we have to consider because, again, here's my basic premise. The Chinese don't do anything without a purpose. There's some purpose behind this. They had to know these things in advance. They had to know the United States would know that it was coming. And they've done some incursions before, some skirting around the edges maybe. But this is not skirting around the edge. This is drifting across the heart of the United States, including our military installations. So what What in the world? Um, what, that, that raises a question that demands an answer. Barry's on the phone. Barry, go ahead. Hey, Tony. Well, maybe it's a broader statement that they're making, Tony, because they're, they're working with uh, Saudi Arabia, Russia and China, trying to get them to uh, get Saudi Arabia to get off the American dollar. But you know something that's pretty interesting and not a lot talked about it is Joe Biden just shut down a one of the most important mines in the United States in northern Minnesota. Uh, it's, it's not only a coal mine, it, it, it contains cobalt, nickel, copper, Large, large deposits of that. China's going around the world trying to get, you know, trying to get cobalt and everything because it's, it, you know, it's important for electric vehicles, to, uh, you know, technology and what have you. But then you got then you got John uh, uh, John uh, Kerry, whose son, whose stepson was in, was a partner with Hunter Biden with the Chinese in that Rosemont billion dollar deal. He's been doing secret meetings that uh, Congress is looking to uh, investigate. So I mean, Joe Biden has tried to sell he tried to sell off gas to the Chinese. So I don't know what they're up to, but shutting down that mine. And not many people are talking about it. And then you take in Anthony Blinken. That guy was that guy was in charge of the uh, Penn Biden Center. <laughs> so I, I don't know if they're grifting and getting ready. And China's just saying to Saudi Arabia and the rest of the world, look, we can do whatever we want with Joe Biden. And by the way, they're trying to you know why would you shut down that mine and then. John Kerry's been doing deals with uh, secret deals with Chinese that the Congress is looking to investigate. So I don't know if it's just a broader statement showing Saudi Arabia that, hey, don't worry about it. You can uh, get off the dollar. We'll take care of this. You know, this administration is nothing. I don't know. Barry, thanks for the call. Okay, we're going to talk to Eugene here in just a second, but a couple of couple of other things, a couple of considerations. I told you there were four. One, uh, maybe the Chinese lost some measure of control over this balloon, and that's why it spent so much time over the United States and became so exposed, because otherwise they wouldn't have wanted that. Number two, they wanted to see they wanted us to see it and pay attention to it to distract us from something else. Now, I don't know that it has anything to do with uh, China trying to get the Saudis to ditch the U.S. dollar and, and all of this, 
Um, I, I, I don't see any connection between flying a balloon over. Uh, Barry suggested that maybe it was the Chinese making the statement to the Saudis that, hey, we can do anything we want and the U.S. government's not going to do anything about it. Well, um, if that was the case, then this failed because eventually they shot the balloon down. Uh, and we're going to talk about why and, and look at that, too, in just a few minutes. All right, so number three, they decided that the information that they gathered was going to be worth the public relations and international relations hit that they were going to take. There was something they wanted to know that they couldn't find out via satellite, so they decided, you know what, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? We're going to have to take a little hit in the media. We're going to have to get beat up a little bit on international relations. We're going to have to listen to the United States caterwaul about this. But getting the information that we can only glean in this way um, is worth it to us right now for whatever reason that we're going to risk all this or perhaps create an international incident that will blow over. So they, they calculated all that and decided to go ahead. Now, the Biden administration says that once they detected this thing coming over Alaska, they jammed the signal. In other words, they protected the United States from, uh, from China being able to get sensitive information, and somehow we did that from the ground. I want to believe that. Uh, but do you think the, that the government would tell you that uh, in order to make you not worry about it? Yes. I mean— I think it's possible that the Chinese got some information before the signal was jammed. Um, I, I, and they're obviously not going to get anything from what we shot down, but that information could obviously be transmitted while the balloon was operational back to China in real time. I'm sure that's how it works. So when did we start jamming the signal? How much did, the, the, did China find out before the United States stopped the ability of this balloon to get to pick up information. Okay, so the fourth thing is they wanted to provoke an incident with the United States to prevent Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's visit, or they just wanted to see how the Biden administration would handle it. Now, what's, what's amazing about this to me is that it wasn't the fact that the balloon flew into American airspace that kept Blinken from going to China. What kept Blinken from going to China was the fact that the press reported it. Had they not, he would have gone. And what if it had been discovered while he was in China? What then? I mean, is the Biden administration so tone deaf that they would allow the Secretary of State to leave America, the United States and be in China at a point where it becomes revealed that the Chinese government is flying spy balloons over the United States? I mean, that's that that would be just incredible if if the Biden administration is so tied to the daily news cycle that it can't see beyond and calculate the consequences of what would happen if the secretary of state happened to be in a foreign country that was caught spying on us while he was there. I mean, there, there are all kind of things that could have come out of that, and all of them are bad. All right, let's talk to Eugene. Eugene, go ahead. Good morning, Dr. Tony. Uh, as you know, we are boots on the ground here in the Philippines. Part of the original story on this, it was mentioned <clears throat> about China wanting to take over the Philippines. And uh, what, what I've heard nothing about mentioned is all day Saturday, 
our time, U.S. military transport and cargo planes were going in and out of the airports here all day long. Yeah. Well, they, they, I mean, it, it was announced last week or the week before. I, I can't remember for sure, but it, it was. It's been re- the information's out there that the United States has uh, obtained an agreement with the Philippines to beef up its military presence there uh, because of the Chinese threat. So the fact that military transport planes are, are flying into the Philippines um, on a fairly regular basis, I don't know that that has anything to do with the spy balloon. I think it probably has more to do with just the Prior, overall threat. What? Okay, I'm sorry. Prior to Saturday, the last military transport plane out of here was more than six months ago. It didn't just magically happen for no reason. Well, China yeah. wants take over the South China Sea, which they're, they're doing good at it. And once they do that, that is a major transportation route through there, and they will have control, and they can shut the U.S. down from going through there. Okay, thanks, Eugene. I appreciate it. Look, I, I, I'm just saying that I don't think, I, and I appreciate that information from the Philippines, that we've got you know American cargo planes landing on a fairly regular basis. I, I think that's more tied to what the president said was going to be uh, an, uh, obviously beefing up our defenses in the Philippines because overall of the tensions that have risen with China, their provocative uh, moves toward Taiwan, they've been violating Taiwanese airspace. Um, you know, they've they've their the discussion in China has been as as Eugene said that the Chinese want not just Taiwan they want the Philippines and ultimately Japan so um, they want to control that part of the world and then maybe after that see where they how far they can get um, so that we've been we've known that the Biden administration was going to do this that they were going to they were going to begin to beef up uh, defenses of the Philippines, which probably explains why those planes are coming and going. All right. Um, so, you know, what what are some some other things that could come out of this? It's possible that the Biden administration was confident that they were able to block the information that the balloon was going to get was getting, and so they decided that they were just going to let it go. They knew that shutting it down, uh, shooting it down, rather, would likely not just likely, it would stop Blinken from going to China. And they wanted to project a sense of thawing relations with China as a lead-up to the State of the Union address on Tuesday. you got got to remember, that Biden's going to give the State of the Union address this week. And, uh, you know, he was going to, with Blinken going to China, I don't think the timing was accidental that he was going to be there or be going to China and coming back in time for the State of the Union address. And perhaps the Biden administration is going, well, we know that this thing's not getting any sensitive information. Let's just let it go until somebody saw it. I mean, that's and, – and then that the jig was up at that point. They, they had no choice. They had to track it. They had to report on it. The, the whole country was talking about it. The whole world was talking about it. So there was nothing they could do, and they were going to have to shoot it down at some point. And they chose to wait until it was out over the Atlantic Ocean. Um, so you've got this this balloon flying right over the Minuteman Three nuclear missile sites. 
Um, it and, and as the press coverage blew up over it, so to speak, then it became clear that there was good, that the whatever plan the administration had to not talk about this was gone. So, how's the Biden administration trying to cover this as a PR disaster? Well, it's it's one of the ways is it's making it sound like there are more Chinese balloons flying over U.S. territory than at a Chinese American sixth birthday party. I mean, you know, they came out and said, "Oh, this has happened before. There were two incursions during the Trump administration." Yeah, that's the ticket. Well, President Trump and former President Trump and all of his national security people, including John Bolton, came out and said, "This is baloney." Uh, there weren't any Chinese incursions into American airspace while Trump was president. So then the Biden administration comes back and says, well, we, 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 the, the, the Trump administration didn't know it. We just found out about it after the Trump administration had gone out of office. Really? Well, if we didn't know while it was taking place, how did we know that it took place after the fact? That doesn't make any sense. So this is... I mean, this is just the Biden administration trying to cover itself here by by saying, you know, they either blame the Trump administration or they say, look, the Trump administration did this, too. So get off our back. And I, I think that's all that's going on here with that. Now, there was an incursion that happened in Hawaii last year where a Chinese balloon was spotted off of Kauai. Now, the reason that's important that's the home of the Barking Sands Missile Range, and that's where the United States tests its missile interceptors and its sophisticated radar, radar equipment. It's also home to the U.S. Submarine Test School. Now, why is flying over Canada a big deal? Because part of the early warning system that protects the United States is on Canadian soil. The Canadian government allows the United States to share space with Canada for the early detection system. So as this balloon comes across, maybe it's gathering information on our early warning system as it comes across Canada and then begins to pick up information about our Minuteman 3 silos and then finally is shot down off the coast. And by the way, I just I just want to say this. Everybody's talking about, wow, what a great thing the United States, these F-22 Raptor jets, you know, and uh, Senator Kimbrell posted that he thinks the early reports say that uh, the, one of those jets that shot down the balloon came from Shaw Air Force Base. That would make sense. It's there in Sumter, and the balloon was shot down right off the coast off of Merle's Inlet. So, uh, you know, you, everybody's talking about, wow, that's – what, the technology, the U.S. strength of its military. We shot down a balloon, okay? This wasn't some type of sophisticated aircraft that could shoot back. This is not some kind of high-speed device that was eluding American defenses, and through our pilot prowess, we were able to track the thing down and shoot it down. I mean, it's a balloon, it, it, it would. What, what kind of embarrassment would it be if we fired a sidewinder missile at it and missed the thing? Um, so, I, I, I'm not sure that we need to be celebrating American technology because we were able to take out a balloon that probably should have been taken out the minute it entered U.S. airspace. 